0: Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Window Watch. Conor Southwell and Paddy Davitt here today to uh, reflect on all of Norwich City's transfer happenings in inwards and outwards. I can see the comments already pouring through, which is good to see. And of course, you know the drill by now. Uh, any questions or comments about anything Norwich City transfer related, get them in and we'll do our best to uh, to go through them. Pad, it's been a, a relatively quiet week, certainly in terms of transfers. I guess most of it has been dominated by contracts. Um Still plenty for us to chat through and I'm sure still plenty of questions that will, will come our way. Let's let's start with the, the pre-season friendly that Norwich have um, yep. in about an hour's time against Huddersfield. We'll, we'll, we will bring you the team news to that if and uh, and when it drops live. Um, and of course, we'll have a link on our sites for you guys to to tune into the stream uh, for those who, who wish to do so. But this represents a step up in opposition for Norwich City. I think you can clearly see now mapped out how pre-season steps up in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, stepping stones, clearly, in terms of the level of opposition. It might not pan out that way, but you know, we didn't see the game. There wasn't a stream available earlier in the week, but Lincoln certainly, reading Daniel's comments, gave them quite a tough test, and you'd imagine it will be moved on from that with Huddersfield, albeit you know, the last time these clubs met, it was a fairly emphatic one-sided 7-0 beating from Norwich, but uh, I don't think we'll see 7-0 again. And worth pointing out the format as well, unless they've changed it in the last couple of days, 345 minutes, so downplays a little bit the the, the competitive angle of it, or at least the result of it, because I'm sure there'll be a lot of chopping and changing. But uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we're assuming the team news will drop pretty soon, um, if not any minute now. But uh, from when we spoke to Daniel yesterday down at Carr Road, potential for maybe Gibson, Hanley, the GOAT and even Tim Krull. So that'd be great to see them taking their first steps towards the Premier League build-up.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely will. Um, let's let's start. Uh, well, I, I guess the only place to start, really, in terms of transfer news this week, is is with Todd uh, Todd Campbell. Of course, some reports sort of earlier this week claiming that, that Aston Villa were in advance talks for his signature, uh, which certainly isn't the case from our perspective. But I, I thought I'd broaden this out more widely and speak about him more generally because he's a player that, since he burst onto the scene, obviously by the loan spell. Norwich haven't had an inquiry for a, 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 an extremely talented player we know his ability but it does seem like potentially certainly in terms of Villa and camp well not the first time we've heard his name linked to that club Norwich have already seen an attacking midfielder move to Villa this summer I think there will be fans who saw these reports and, and were probably quite concerned about them but um, it, it's probably exaggerated I would say in terms of Villa's interest is, is that kind of a fair reflection
1: I think so, Connor. Yeah, I'd certainly uh, forget, I mean, the question there. Keep hearing Cantwell's closing in on a Villa switch. No, definitely not. 100% not. No advanced talks. Um, He'll probably play today, won't he, for instance? He will. He, well, he was at the celebration dinner two days ago. Todd Cantwell is not imminent. Um, well, Todd plus Cash with Dan Juma. Well, I don't know. You know, that's a different debate. But uh, Todd and Villa, no, uh, there is no imminent we're getting to the I's, T's. Uh, he's off to the Midlands with his representatives doing medicals. Absolutely not. Categorically not the case. We, we've spoken to the relevant people at the football club. Um, now, we said it earlier in the week, actually, given the back and forth that the the, the two clubs would have had over Buendia. There are channels of communication there. Um, and would there have been a conversation about Camp? Well, yes. Uh, earlier in the summer, maybe. Is he a player with admirers inside Villa Park? Yes. But... Um, you know, they're looking quite stocked with attacking midfielders at the minute. They've got a certain player by the name of Jack Grealish who for this time, at uh, the current time, is still an Aston Villa player. Uh, a lot of speculation about his future in Man City, but uh, I think they might be more interested in getting Harry Kane done if you read the headlines in the sun this morning. but So, a lot of, as always with these things, you know, there's jigsaw pieces that get put together, but things need to happen in a chain sequence. You did a very good piece earlier in the week about the centre-back scenario and, and how, you know, one thing can happen with one other club, and that's a trigger knock-on effect. And um, that may well play out as we move forward in the window. But right here, right now, Aston Villa, Todd Cantwell, no, absolutely not. And uh, as far as Daniel is concerned, he's planning for Todd. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you know, when the team do, does drop, Todd Cantwell will be, unless he's had an injury in the last day or two a genuine one. Uh, he will be part of the plans this afternoon and is very much part of the plans moving into the Premier League. Yes, there's the contractual situation in the background, but worth stressing again, that's two years left. There's an option that Norwich would take up, taking him in 2023. That certainly in this window is not a priority. It's not at the top of Stuart Webber's entry. Bringing in extra players to supplement what they've already got is far more of a priority. So, Right here, right now, you're seeing Villa, you're seeing advanced talks, forget it. No, it's not in, uh, that is hundred percent inaccurate.
0: Yeah, there you go. That that clears that up. And and there's there's an interesting point sort of that underpins all of this. And you mentioned it there, and it kind of lends into what Stuart Weber was talking about yesterday. Really, in terms of this chain reaction, how perhaps the market needs. You spoke. You said Harry Kane. We could probably show Jack Grealish into that equation as yeah. well. Maybe a big deal to get across the line for a few things to happen elsewhere. I mean, Weber said yesterday that he felt there's a lot of paranoia in the market, clubs maybe not wishing to kind of devalue their talent because of COVID, but naturally there will be a deflation probably as panic sets in towards the end of the window. Norwich, as we know, are being a lot more patient now in terms of the way that that they operate. With with Todd, do you get the sense that there, there would be a situation should... I guess Jack Grealish is, is probably the relevant one. Um, if, if he was to move, let's say, to Manchester City for a lot of money, as he's being reported, there is a scenario where Villa perhaps would increase that interest in Todd. Or is that kind of just, that's transfers, isn't it, I suppose, in terms of Club A gets impacted and that has a reaction to Club E, EFG, whatever. It, it, it's all a chain reaction, isn't it, I suppose?
1: inevitably yeah. we nearly had an interloper there that was my 40 month old okay. son what was that clip um the sky think news report, you're wasn't... thinking aren't you yeah no 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 that was the famous one in the pandemic yeah. but there was i think there was a later one uh with one of the sky reporters where, where she basically said to bribe him with do you want a biscuit harry or whatever his name was <laughs> <laughs> thankfully we didn't have the, that scenario it's time for his nap but he's not going not going willingly but anyway um yeah spot on yeah because ultimately we're all we're, we're let's deal in hypotheticals, you know. If you're Aston Villa and at the minute you've got Buendia, uh, you've got Cantwell, sorry, Cantwell, <laughs> fraudulent slip, you've got Grealish. Um, why do you need Cantwell? That's what I'm saying. If if Jack Grealish remains a Villa player and you're now dropping Emmy Buendia into their midfield mix, and I can't even off the top of my head think what other midfield options they've got, but I'm sure they've got some decent attacking options well, been in
0: that- with, with Leon Bailey as well, haven't they? This week, yeah,
1: exactly. So Right here, right now, is there a position for Todd Cantwell in that Villa mix? You'd have to say no. I mean, with the greatest respect to Todd Cantwell, you're not playing him ahead of Jack Grealish. So if there isn't an opening now, then then it's not going to happen with Villa. But hypothetically, again, yeah, if Jack Grealish is no longer a Villa player in the weeks that pass between now and August 31st, and Villa need to replace, um, and they're looking around, they were obviously heavily linked and, and in fact, made a couple of bids for, for Smith-Rowe, who's now signed a new deal at Arsenal. Um, then it's entirely plausible that on a watch list of young English attacking midfield types, why wouldn't Todd Cantwell be on there given what he did two seasons ago, given, you know, the strides he made in the championship last season, where he's a far more of a frontline option for Norwich. Um, so yes, it, it is Todd Cantwell a player Aston Villa would be looking at. Should Jack Grealish move on? Absolutely. Why wouldn't they be? So, but right here, right now, at the risk of repeating myself, uh, no that that isn't a deal that is likely to happen anytime soon. put it that way, but as as you said,' Con it worth monitoring what happens with a villa with other clubs who might be moving on attacking players in the Premier League because you know that's the whole point of this. you know, and we've spoken about this at length on here you, There was never going to be a fixed position at July the first or whenever the window officially opened the first week of July, or was it June actually, I'm losing track might be in June where whatever the position was with Norwich in terms of ins and outs at that point was going to be what it looks like on August the 31st. That doesn't happen. That's fantasy football, football manager simulation type stuff. What you have here is a lot of moving parts. Reference it with the, the deal that's just gone through in the last few days. Norwich would have liked to bring Chris Iyer in from Celtic. Didn't happen. So now they move on and, and possibly that might be moving on in a direction, which is actually staying with the four that they've already got. Plus i Daly in, in the mix. So, you know, ultimately these things are so fluid at this stage, particularly this stage of the window. And and I thought that was really interesting from Stuart yesterday that that what we're not aware because we're not party to the actual inner workings of what's happening inside these clubs in terms of transfer signings. But he was very obviously pointing out that there is a lot of uncertainty and jitteriness almost paranoia that's that's a fantastic word to describe it that, that because of the pandemic and the ongoing financial issues clubs are not having the financial wherewithal to do maybe the deals they want to do or if you're a, a club with assets you're trying to hold out for your best price when the reality is you might have to lower expectations which i guess again as Stuart pointed out yesterday means we're probably looking at now Norwich doing their business a much later in the window than ideally they'd like to Daniel Fark would want all his players in as soon as so he can work on what he needs to work on in pre-season, building into Liverpool and beyond. That's not going to happen, I don't think. I think it's going to be as Daniel Stewart flippantly said yesterday: "Deadline day this time round is going to be uh, it's going to be like a feeding frenzy." Panic, he said. Whether that in- includes Norwich, I wouldn't have thought so. Not on a Weber watch, but uh, but I think generally it's going to have to be a game of patience. And Norwich fans, uh, as, we- as well as Stuart Weber, are going to have to. Probably accept the the five potentially new deals that they want to do uh, in terms of positions in the squad. They're all gonna. They're probably. They're none. Not all of those are going to be in place by Liverpool. In fact, they're definitely not going to be because that's that's essentially what Stewart's trying to allude to yesterday. That a lot of clubs are going to wait and wait and wait. Whether you're whether you're a potential buyer or a potential seller, uh, and then it's just going to go mental in the last two weeks or so of the window.
0: Yeah, worth worth noting as well that that Stuart Webber has a, a good relationship with. Uh, 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 it's not his Villa counterpart, isn't it? Because they have a sporting director, but Christian Persley, I think they work together at yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So so I, I think it's fair to say that's that probably helped the Buendia deal, and, and would probably help uh, in, in any situation where perhaps Aston Villa's interest in Todd Campbell did increase, which would probably only be due to. There we, um, there we go. Well, there's the team news. Would we, we'll be due to a Jack Grealish exit. Than that, than that situation. I was coming on to that, but there we go. There, there's the, the the team for Norwich City's friendly against Huddersfield this afternoon. Tim Cruel returns. Barley Mumba, Christoph Zimman, uh, the Omabandeli, and Poheta the uh, the back four. Rup and Lay Malu the midfield. Two Rashitsa and Campwell uh, on either flank with Dow behind Timu Puki. So good to see uh, the uh, goat return. Gonna, front, gonna, go
1: Aston, uh, also Aston Villa's imminent signing, Todd Campwell, also in that the that eleven. Is- that is, so there you go. At uh, the bench, Michael
0: McGovern, Max Ahrens, Jordan Hugill, Onel Hernandez returns to the bench, Adam Eder, Rob Nizet, Dan Adshead, uh, uh, Tomkinson, Jerzy and Dixon Peters. So the three, younger, three young lads remaining on the bench. That that looks a lot stronger, doesn't it, as a Norwich City eleven, perhaps minus the left-back area. We obviously know your new list is, is making good progress than, than they have had. Um, Max Aarons on the bench, which lends us nicely, I guess, to speak about him and, and his situation, because there's been a lot of chatter kind of this week about maybe how quiet it's been and maybe how people haven't necessarily expected that. I think it, it, the expectation was when kind of Stuart Webber mapped out that no City probably would be in a position where one of those would need to depart, that possibly that would be Max Aarons, given the fact that he was the player that generated offers from Barcelona, Roma in January, two significant football clubs in in European football. Yet this summer, Minus sort of the whisperers with with Everton, which seem to have now kind of concluded. Now Rafa Benitez is, uh, has been appointed as as manager. Where do you think he he kind of sits? Where do you think his situation is at the moment? Do you think there is interest from from elsewhere? I mean, Stuart Weber described um, Norwich as being very confident that both him and Cantwell would would be Norwich City players when the window closed. Uh, are you surprised maybe by the lack of noise around Max Aarons this window?
1: Well, again, I mean, with what we you know we. probably could detect from the outside, but certainly with those paranoia comments from Stuart yesterday, um, what maybe was the fear at the start of the window isn't necessarily. And I think, yeah, I think there is a growing confidence now inside Carro that Max will still be here beyond the window, which would be fantastic news. I don't think, I certainly didn't think that would be the case, but Everton, you mentioned there, Connor Ancelotti was very keen on him. That deal probably would have gone through if Ancelotti didn't depart for Real Madrid, benitez count isn't. Um, What's a different type of profile in terms of his fullbacks? So that rules Everton out of the race, we'll say. Um, You look at Tottenham now, Just I look at it from a distance, and Nuno's gone in there, and of course, who's already there? Matt Doherty, who who he sold from Wolves. Long-term
0: admirers, Spurs, as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's no secret now.
1: No, absolutely not. But but what I'm saying is, if now the head coach has gone in there, is reunited with a player who, who he relied on heavily at Wolves, um, and you've also got Orier still in the mix there, do Tottenham now under this regime, i.e. Nuno at the helm, particularly looking to do a Max Aarons, or Max Aarons deal? Sorry, And the answer is probably no. So that maybe seems Tottenham taking a step back. Now, of course, you've got Arsenal linked as well. With, I don't think there's anything beyond speculation in that. And a lot of that could be dependent on what happens with Bellerin. If he moves on, we keep going back again to the, the moving parts, the, the jigsaw puzzle, the chain reaction. Um So, you know, Atletico, you could even say, look at them. Basically, Max was getting linked if they sell Kieran Trippier, who who was heavily touted with Manchester United. But as it stands right here right now, Kieran Trippier remains an Atletico player. So if that wasn't to happen and he's remaining in Madrid, then Atletico don't need Max Aaron. So you start to see now that what the fear might have been at the start of the summer in terms of interested parties isn't necessarily the case. And ultimately... Um, I think it's no secret that any club wanting to take Max Aarons will have to pay more than Norwich received for Emi Buendia and if the money isn't there in the market Norwich aren't going to be compromising so you know if there's not an opportunity for the lad then the lad stays here and and I think you know listening to Stuart yesterday I think increasingly if you're a Norwich fan you can be in growing optimism that Max Aarons will be still here beyond August 31st which would be fantastic um, because Norwich are better off in the Premier League quest with Max playing at right Ryback.
0: You, you, you kind of mapped out the clubs there. Everton, as, as you explained, we think have now fallen away. We don't think that interest is perhaps what it would have been if, if Carlo Ancelotti was still in charge. Of course, he's now gone to manage Real Madrid. Doesn't seem like he's going to be taking Max with him to uh, to, to to Real. Although, of course, Barca were interested in him last summer. So I guess we can never say never. But uh, in all seriousness, it now looks like sort of the the interested parties and again you kind of mapped it out quite nicely there in terms of their still chain reactions I mean we had the fresh reports didn't we about Atletico Madrid earlier this week I think in terms of Max and um, Tottenham as well as 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 we've said a a long-term admirers of even before Jose Mourinho was in charge so not a massive shock but it it seems like those two clubs are, are the two that if if any probably have the firmest interest in Max but as we've explained probably a lot of Chain reactions that would need to go need to go on there for that to happen. In terms of him and Campbell, just to close off this discussion, yeah. what what do you think it would take in terms of price for a club to come in and, and prize them away from Norwich City at this stage of the window? And then as a secondary question to that, would that be something that would increase the later on in the window we we get to? Because I think people will listen to to Stuart's comments yesterday in terms of the frenzy and perhaps how that might impact Norwich City. Do you, do you feel that? What Norwich City are asking for now would change sort of a week uh, or so to go left in the window?
1: Well, in that scenario, it would change and it would change in an upward direction. Yeah. There'd be no uh, there'd be no paranoia infecting Stuart Webber in terms of the valuations he places on those two players. No, I'm, I'm 100% confident that neither of those players would leave for a fee less than what they receive for Envy Buendia, which, you know, uh, let's just say if that package maxed out that would be north of 35 million uh the villa would would have to pay for emmy buendia and with all the attendant clauses so if there's no club coming to norwich with a serious bid in the region of 35 plus then no uh norwich will will not be lowering it because that completely flies in the face of what stewart has always said which you know is tied to the contractual element and of course that's why i'm maybe loathe to put Todd in the same bracket because his contract status is slightly different that might be a different scenario but certainly with Max I think off top of my head is he 2024 I think he is so you know there's still plenty in terms of Norwich's favour with his contractual status um, that wouldn't mean they'd have to cash in absolutely not so um, as I say at this stage you know unless something happens and hypothetically Arsenal need a right back or Trippier goes and Atletico goes uh, follow-up which we believe is is has been an approach um, not in terms of you know that they what you asking for will take him but certainly hypothetically if if they needed a right back I think there would be a phone call I'm pretty sure of that from what we led to believe by reports in Spain so um, but no right here right now I think if I'm a Norwich fan I'm increasingly confident Max Aarons is still here.
0: There you go uh, and you, again we mapped out the situation. Kieran Trippier, of course. I think they've got three right backs, Atletico Madrid. So yeah. would need quite a bit of movement. And and obviously, as as everyone is acutely aware at the moment, money in Spain is 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 hard to come by, as Barcelona are finding at the moment. Um, let's let's take a few questions and then we'll go on to some uh, sort of incoming conversations. Um, <laughs> Jake, tidy straight in like this, Jake from you. Any news on a potential incoming? Straight in, no mucking about. Uh, it's been a quiet week, hasn't it, Pad? I think that's that's fair to say, but. It's clear that Norwich City would like uh, a significant, well, I say a significant number, certainly um, a few more incomings. Uh, We kind of, I think the positions now are well documented, aren't they? But fair to say Norwich City aren't done at at this age. But in terms of imminent arrivals, and of course, with the caveat that everything moves very quickly, um, Mm. it doesn't seem like there's anything in terms of next 28, 48 hours, does it?
1: No, no, I'd I'd agree with that timescale, Connor. No, I think... um... We touched on this earlier in the week. You know, it it has been a busy week in terms of contract renewals, um, games. They've done the Liam Gibbs thing eventually today. They pressed the button on that. All that, you know, that was just being held up by the clubs uh, being able to agree a fee. But lots of little bits and pieces. Um, So there has been plenty of activity going on, I'm sure. But uh, in terms of potential incoming senior to add to the sixth already brought in, if you include Gilmore not in the next 24, 48 hour. No, we're not getting any smoke signals to say um, things Things are moving to that stage. Um, but again, you know, if Stewart is basically telling us uh, or t- for using media channels to tell fans, prepare for the long game, then then that would, would suggest that, you know, things aren't aren't going to be happening imminently. But uh, by the same token, you know, the, the volume of business they want to do from here, which, you know, in if they get everything done, then there'd be probably another four or five additions. You'd like to think two or three of those can be in the building before Liverpool, because if not, then that period from August the 14th to August the 31st is just going to be absolutely frenzied. And uh, and I don't think really Norwich need that amount of what people going on off the pitch. You know, go back to last summer. Championship season starts, and then Daniels constantly until that window closed, having to field questions as it was then. When they uh, count well, Aaron's less so. But we had the Bournemouth game where they had to get left out, and he was talking about their lack of focus. Norwich can ill afford to have that type of scenario playing out with any of their players. For the two, I think there's, I think there's three games between the start of the season and the window closing, but even three games, you know, well, they're going to be tough on off those three games given who they're playing. to not have all that going on in the background. And Daniel constantly having to field questions about player ins or player outs. So, yeah, nothing imminent in the next 24-48 out. But hopefully, between now and Liverpool, yet another two or three in. You'd like to think so.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Howell has asked, uh, Afternoon, do you think there's anything in the talk around Ryan Christie out of contract in December? But Celtic proved difficult to deal with in the, the IR negotiations, possible addition in January. Uh, he's, he was linked with Southampton, I think, last time I, uh, yeah. I saw. But I would imagine his agent is probably doing a, a few hard yards, given if uh, given he's out of contract in December.
1: Yeah, I, I think we I think we might have checked with one or two at the club when that link first got put out there, and they said there was nothing in that. What, what position is he again? Is he a wide player? A, yeah, midfielder.
0: attacking an attacking midfielder, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think that. Given the sort of positions we know they're looking for, that doesn't really really sort of tick the box. I don't think now.
0: This is a, a nice one, uh, hey gents. Hope's all well f- uh, from Melbourne. Thank you for watching, John. Uh, appreciate you tuning in, uh, Liam Winner, I, f- I believe this was another. One. The list is so long now, all the names merge into one. But uh, Bubakiate, the the centre half from Mets. I think Norwich got links with him early, relatively yeah. early on in the window, and I don't think there was anything in it at that no, point. Um, no. But I'm I'm reciting off the top of my head, so I may be wrong. No. But I, he's certainly not in the in the centre back options that. That we were aware of, anyway. So uh, that's that's another name to cross off your long list. Uh Tom Calton has said, uh, "Hi guys, can you see any foreign loans with a possible possible option to buy coming in? A bit like Fulham, uh, but not the same amount they did. What do you make of that, Pad, In terms of the loan dynamic, they've obviously got one Premier League slot to play with. I think it's it's probably fair to say that Ollie, that Ollie Skip Avenue is is firmly closed. We saw him involved in pre-season action against Colchester earlier this week. Lovely fifty yard." raking pass uh, that he made, put you straight onto the chest of Stephen Bergwijn. I think it seems like from reports that have come out from the Spurs end that Nuno was appointed with kind of the... Uh, I don't know how you... Not, not a clause or anything like that, but certainly with the view to embedding Oli Skip and Young and as well into the into the first team, a lot of bright talent they've got as Spurs. It seems to me that he, he's going to have to work with what he's got in the main. Oli Skip seems a massive part of that. Do you see in terms of Norwich City and their loan spots, they've obviously got one available Premier League loan as we've mapped out before. That can't come from the same club as what their first one is. So essentially they can't get another player on loan from Chelsea broadening Tom's question out then in, for, in terms of foreign loans, how do you see them using their remaining loan slots if at all? It's obviously something that they 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 maximised last time they were in the Premier League and I think it's fair to say they didn't have a lot of success with.
1: Just clarify for me, Conor, with the foreign loans, is there, is there a, a, a limit of how many they can do? I think it's with, four
0: in total. So in it's total, essentially two but... foreign, two Premier League. Right.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and and the second part of that question was with a view to buy, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's, you know, that's how Gibson arrived. That's how Yanulis arrived. So I think that's a, a very astute question. I'm pretty sure that's an avenue they will be looking at overseas market loan with a view because you're sort of, um, you're shelving the financial commitment potentially, if it's maybe a on staying up in 12 months time, um, obviously you need to source a player who, who the, the selling club are, are looking to move on. And that's, that was the, the beauty of the year, deal that that worked for all parties really. Um, but given how how persistent Norwich are in terms of their recruitment, Stuart again said yesterday, you know, they're well insulated because they don't just focus or put all their recruitment eggs in one basket. You know, they, they will. And he, he actually talked that up as a strength of Norwich's vis-a-vis, many of their other rivals, maybe for the same type of players that they will go into every and any market that they feel that there's a player there that is potentially untapped potential. It's um, certainly in terms of the fees that that makes sense. And, if you actually take a step back and look at the spread of markets they've brought players in under Stuart Weber and Farker, it is, well, it's everything from South America to, you know, deepest Poland, isn't it? For Puerta. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think given, you know, given the finances they've got to play with um, to do five deals, they're going to have to be very creative, I think. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that is an avenue, foreign loans with a view to, that they will be definitely looking into if they can bring in players who they feel, always worth reiterating, improve what they've got, which I think is important, particularly with the centre-back debate. You know, there's a lot of centre-backs possibly they could go out and bring in, but are they actually better than Gibson and Hanley and Zimmerman to a lesser extent? And, and would they, if it's a young, young player, potentially using up one of those loans, yeah. does that make sense when you've got Omar bama who's there, who's, who's clearly a part of the Premier League plans in terms of the squad? Um, that makes no sense. So, you know, it, it it's a difficult one to, to to use that loan wisely, that domestic loan. Um, but yeah, I could, I could. That's definitely a scenario I could see playing out now for a lot of reasons. You know, looking at maybe exploring the foreign loan options with possibly a, a, a view to a buy.
0: That that was uh, kind of my, my follow up in terms of that second Premier League loan. Now that. The door does seem closed on Ollie Skip and certainly from, from what we've heard, it does seem to be probably extremely unlikely. We can probably say no on in terms of him coming back to, to Norwich City this season, probably that clear, unless something drastic changes between now and, and August the 31st. How, how do you see them now, if at all, using that second Premier League loan? Because as, as you mentioned there, getting a, a, a young player, certainly in terms of if we're talking about centre-backs, yeah, probably doesn't achieve what they want to achieve if, you, if you're if you just going to bring in a loan to end up to be fourth choice. And this is kind of what my piece was about the other day in terms of it's suddenly become a very complex pursuit for a centre-back. So, yeah, two questions, I guess, really. How do they use the second Premier League loan? And if it is a defender, how do they get that sort of profile and balance right? And, and I guess you've kind of touched upon it there in, in terms of what you said.
1: It's, it's a difficult balancing act. I mean, you look at the, the other loan that they've used up, they've brought in Billy Gilmore. Um, and the way that that deal seems to have been put together, I think it, it's, you know, there's an expectation that if he plays a sufficient amount of games, then maybe the actual fee and the financials around that drop. Um, because obviously, if you're Chelsea, you're getting what you want, which is that guy getting exposure, um, consistent exposure at Premier League level, so that he comes back much closer to Chelsea's 11. Um, and and if that is the case, is there a similar type of deal to be done with a well you know we're not we're not breaching any confidences that say that Pep Guardiola is a, is a big fan of Daniel Farkas and vice versa. So you know okay they can't go back to Chelsea and, and explore the, the tuchel Farker relationship now but is there a I'm sure Man City have got a vast array of talent who aren't going to be threatened in the 11 or even the, the 18 but who certainly could come in and do a job. And, and if there was a, a mutual sort of arrangement that could be put in place in terms of game time uh, and, and the finances around a deal of that nature, you'd have to say, ultimately, what's the mantra that's driving all of this? Quality and not quantity? Well, yeah, you bring it. You bring in a, a player from Man City, even if it's a Man City backup option, you'd have to say that's going to be as good, if not better, than the existing Central defenders, if we're talking about that position, um, but that equally applies to any other part of the pitch. So, I think it, that that loan, if they're going to go Premier League route with it, um, I think it's going to be one of the, the top tier clubs. I, I don't see, you know, if, well, if you're a, if you're a club who could potentially be rivaling Norwich, you're not going to lend a player who you feel could could benefit your cause. So that's a non-starter. I don't see any really any mid-ranking Premier League clubs unless there's been some sort of fallout with a player, which is, of course, maybe what paved the way for Gibson coming to Norwich. That that doesn't strike me as, a, as an avenue that, that there's going to be too many options who could come in. So I think it, it's all pointing to a, a Liverpool, a Man City, you know, a top elite level club who have the squads need to get players just below their first team out and playing games and getting games at a good level, which, of course, Premier League, Norwich can offer that. So... Right here, right now, yes. Ollie Skip won't be that one, but uh, but could could we see another Ollie Skip type capture from an Ollie Skip type club, i.e., you know, a club with aspirations to be in the top six? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely agreed. Uh, I think as as you mentioned there, if if they were to use that, and let's say they were to use it on a central midfield, as, as we've kind of mapped out there, would need to be one from the top clubs and one who probably isn't eighteen, nineteen. They probably need to be a bit further along, wouldn't they? Probably yeah. twenty two probably between 22 and, and 24 and also have a body of games. I, I've seen a few people in our comments mention uh, Twanzibay who's at Manchester United, but I, I think he's played something like, f- uh, I'm off completely off the top of my head, so maybe slightly more, but around about 30, 35 games in terms of league football, which Norwich would probably want a bit more experience than that, wouldn't they, in terms of an an option if they were to bring one in on loan in terms of games, but we shall see. Uh, This is an interesting question from Joe Keeler on YouTube. He said, do you think there's a certain emphasis on signing a defensive midfielder before the season starts? As I still think we're a little light in that position. Obviously, the the midfielder they've been linked with heavily is is Philip Billing. We've mentioned patience around top targets. This certainly seems to be one that Norwich are prepared to, to be patient on. Um, do, do you see in terms of that midfield area it being well? I, I suppose it, how many do, do you see? Uh, uh, Farker obviously said they've lost four and recruited two. So how do you kind of see the maths in terms of that position and and how many they recruit in in central midfield areas?
1: I think I think we only see another one really. Um, you know they want to do a centre back, full back, left full back is probably an area now they're looking at. Daniel you know threw that one in after the Kings game, um, and the striker is a. You know a well-worn uh, target area they're looking at, and possibly another wide player. So, yeah, I, I think however you slice it up in terms of the midfield, w- one more. And uh, and I think if they could get Billing, he would be the one more. So it is an interesting question because he's he is, I, I guess, in earlier in his career he's the, a DM, um, but in recent times he was used as more of an attacking option and. And if you look at Norwich in the ten role, Kieran Dow started preseason well, but you know they look a little bit light there. So, again, that flows into how Daniel's going to set his teams up. You know, you got McLean in the mix there. Uh, Rupp is still you know a viable option for him, and obviously, Lee's obviously Malou now coming in—that's another player who can play in that area of the pitch. But that out and out Ollie Skip type, who who almost just patrols in front of the back four, Alex Tete in his heyday—I don't think they're looking to source another one of those so it's going to be interesting how they cover that off cuz gilmore isn't that type of player as we know so um yeah maybe just hints a little bit more at this kind of reinvention and, and tactical tweaking and set ups that daniel keeps talking about and of course we've seen first two preseason games he started with a back three looks like that today a little bit does it i think no actually it looks more like a four, four today I think it's a
0: four better
1: yeah, yeah. and and number on the other side so you know um that is really intriguing how they're going to go about it in the middle of the park because I I think with a fair wind if they can get billing that'll be them done midfield wise so um, it's going to have to come the solutions from within the current group I think
0: do you you think anything's really shifted in terms of 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 billing I mean we we kind of said last week in terms of the two clubs maybe being slightly apart in how they value him do you you see that having shifted at all in 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 the week it's obviously been very quiet hasn't it so it doesn't seem to be the case
1: no, and did you spot it was uh, Bournemouth, were Bournemouth out or have been out in Spain? And he was yeah. he was playing out there, wasn't he? He was playing games. So, you know, again, that that's just that element there it tells you there's nothing imminent. You know, if he's still part of pre preseason planning, I'm sure Park has gone in there, and the first thing he'd want to do, as any new coach would want to do, is look at their existing players before deciding what they want to do. Uh, but there's no doubt. I think financially, Bournemouth would need to move one or two on this summer. Dan Juma is, the, is, is for my mind, the, the, the star asset and he's getting linked with Villarreal. But, you know, again, depending on whether a valuation can be agreed, whether that deal happens and it, and back to moving parts and domino effects. You know, if they can't move on a Dan Juma or they can't move on a Solanke, for example, then if Norwich are willing to put down X uh, for billing, then... Th- as we get towards the window and then the financial pressure begins to ratchet up. And of course, Parker will want to do his own business and bring in his own players. And if they have to generate money to enable him to do that, then, then at some point push comes to shove. But I think when Weber talks about patience and and digging in and, and not going away from their top targets, maybe two seasons ago, he talked about that yesterday. He felt they when they didn't get the top targets, they went down to their lowest targets a bit too quick. He actually referenced Patrick Roberts in that. Um, he says he's not going to make that mistake again this time around. And I think you can put Billing's name on that, that Billing is one of their top targets and they're prepared to wait because they feel potentially there could be some wriggle room from the Bournemouth end. So if they get Billing, that'll be it, I think, midfield-wise.
0: Yeah, in terms of Bournemouth, it does look
1: like free assets, doesn't it, when you look at
0: their squad in terms of... Certainly names that have been rumoured in terms of Danjuma, Solanke, and obviously Norwich is interested in Billing, which is which yeah. is obviously fairly public now. So if it is a trade-off and and you get towards the back end of the window and we speak about this paranoia that, that Weber kind of alluded to and, they've still got Dan Juma and they've still got Solanke and teams aren't meeting their a- asking prices for those. And then they've got an offer from Norwich on the table that is, is maybe doable and helps them out financially. Then that becomes a lot more attractive, doesn't it? So that explains maybe why Norwich are willing to be a little bit more patient on that one. Uh, Ollie Baines photography will be with you for about 10 more minutes, by the way, of course there so is a game at half past one. So we will have to uh, escape fairly quickly. Um He has said he's Braze Mendez from Celta Vigo still on the radar. I think he's, he's another one that, that got linked uh Spanish winger. What do you make in terms of that one pad? Obviously Norwich ideally as you kind of mapped out there would like a, a, a wide player. Spain is a market that they, they do a lot of work in. It's obviously where Amy Buendia came from is, is, is that one that you could, you could see?
1: Um, not heard anything that would say it was a substantive link on that one, but, um, yeah, I like him. I, I, I mean, he was, he was kind of in and around the Spanish squad there. Um, I think more so maybe because there was a few concerns about they might lose players from the first choice to coronavirus going into that tournament and i think he was in a training group or two so he's obviously clearly highly thought of um i'd have to go back and check what his contractual status is what we're talking why, valuation wise i mean it, again if it's ticking up beyond kind of 10 plus million i think that would probably rule norwich out but um He's definitely one, as you rightly say, Connor. Spain is a market that they've been known to go and source from. So I'd imagine he'd be one who would be on a long list if he if he ticks that wide box. Although, again, a little bit like Rashica, I get I get the sense that if they could find a wide player who could also operate down the middle, then that might tick a couple of boxes. And if you've only got a finite amount of money to have that versatility, we've seen Lise Malou flagged as versatile. Rashidza clearly is a versatile operator as well. Uh, And I'm not sure Mendes would would give you the the central attacking option as well. So, a link you could understand, but not one, I think, um, that has any sort of legs to at this stage.
0: There we go. Um, we'll, we'll just rattle through a few more because I say a bit pressed for time in terms of how we, we usually are. We've touched upon Liam Gibbs, uh, I think, in previous episodes as well. We'll probably do a, a bit more of a detailed video with, with one of our Suffolk colleagues on him maybe next week. So um, we'll park him for the moment. But that's all done and dusted. Um, becomes the latest sort of under 23 recruit, doesn't he? And, and another ta- attacking midfielder, which is very interesting in terms of their pursuit. me, of course, has joined Portsmouth on loan for the season, which is a, a tremendous loan move for him. He, he was out in Spain last year playing for Real Oviedo's B team but got a a nasty foot infection by the sounds of it which reduced his his game time he has been on trial with Portsmouth we've been trying to desperately find out his uh, contractual situation with probably very limited joy I think that's fair to say but he is still a Norwich City player he's gone there on loan and Danny Cowley seems to be a a big fan scored a lot of goals in Uh, pre-season and then the two I will come through let's let's start first and foremost with Josh Sargent Pad this is the the 21-year-old Verder Bremen striker that Norwich City were linked with last Sunday, I believe. Um, reports of a, a £10 million or €10 million or 10 million euro bid, sorry, I got there eventually, uh, had been knocked back for him. Talk to us about uh, Josh Sargent. Uh, he is a player that can play as a striker and uh, has played as a wide player as well. American international, Bundesliga experience. He would tick a lot of boxes in terms of both profile and both in terms of what we know Norwich City are looking for this window.
1: All day long, Connor. Yeah, he's definitely one they looked at, have looked at, um, and of course, you know they've got, the, they've got the got the got the link to Verder as well with Rashida, haven't they? So, um, yeah. But ultimately, the the part of your sort of statement there that that would would put it down a cul-de-sac is is the ten million valuation. If are, are, are absolutely nailed on, that's what it's going to cost. They've just gone down, haven't they? But of course, yeah. they've gone down, and now they've banked. Initial eight million for Rashida, so that probably lessens the need for them to have a fire cell without knowing the ins and outs of the financial situation there. But uh, if there's if if they're you know steadfast that it's going to take that, and I think there's one or two other clubs have been linked to him as well. So so if if it's not Norwich are the only show in town, um, then I I think that's that's ran its course because uh, Norwich aren't going to be paying ten million for him if getting billing done is in the similar sort of ballpark. I, I don't see they've got that amount of money left uh, to make two huge marquee-level signings. So unless um, unless unless there's uh, unless 10 million is not the, the actual figure that the clubs could do a deal at, uh, and there's a bit of kite flying going on in the media over there, then um, I think it was in the US media, wasn't it? CBS, wasn't it, who reported that. So uh, no, at this stage, for those figures, that's not going to happen.
0: Uh, and then the other one, which which came out last night from uh, from the Telegraph, I believe, Tom Tribal and, and Fulham alone move. He's, he's obviously someone that's not in the first team picture. He is with this sort of group of players that are currently being put through their paces by Andy Hughes, which is, I would imagine, relatively traumatic. So he may be fairly keen for to have a loan move as well. Uh, Andy Hughes, a very good coach, of course, I jest. Um, but in, in terms of that, that does seem both in terms of fit and club, the fact he was out on loan last season. That seems to make a lot of sense, doesn't it, for all parties?
1: Yeah. That'd be a fantastic move for Tom Tribal, yeah. Because um, you'd imagine Fulham, under new management, uh, they have got a very wealthy owner there. They, they, they really will not be wanting to sit around in the Championship for any longer than they have to. So, you know, whether that was it was the original report a loan with a view yeah. to was it yeah? So just, just a
0: loan, yeah, just a straight loan, yeah,
1: alone, yeah. But he's only got twelve months left, has not he? I think yeah. that's his Norwich status. So. That would be a very similar Dermage type deal. You'd, you'd effectively be waving goodbye to Tom Tribal, um, but but presumably in terms of the, the finances around that, you, you know Fulham would, would cover if not all of his then most of his salary. So and he's not going to get a look in here. So yeah, I think that's, that that deal comes off. It's a brilliant for certainly for Tribal, certainly for Norwich, and Fulham clearly feel he's a player who who can add something. And and why wouldn't you? Because in the right mid, we talked a lot here about you know mixes in, in the midfield. We all, we all, whoever seen him in a green and yellow shirt. If you've got the right players around him in the centre of the park, then then he can be a very good option at that level. But uh, if he's exposed a little bit defensively, then then he doesn't look up to the job. So um, you know, he had a few back issues, I think, at Blackburn that curtailed his loan there. But uh, yeah, no, if if that is substantial interest from Fulham, then uh, Norwich wouldn't stand in his way, I'm sure, and that would be a fantastic move.
0: Yeah, potentially a Tom Tribe or Harrison Reed midfield yeah. too that'd be all right wouldn't it for the championship as Norwich fans will know uh again apologies for kind of rattling through these but as I said we're, we're limited for time somewhat so um two more then. pad let's start with uh, this one we've spoken a lot about centre-back uh apparently uh, according to Yellow's NCFC on YouTube there's been a, a twist in the pursuit of a centre-back and they're now going for someone but no name mentioned yet do we know anything about this I think uh, we've kind of mapped out the centre-back situation and it seems like well, as as we kind of said last week and spoke about in great depth last week, it doesn't seem to have evolved too much. And it does seem like now if there was to be an addition there, it would have to be a, a loan from a Premier League club. I think that's probably fair to say.
1: I think I think just to repeat what we've said now in the last couple of broadcasts, that if you're ranking what Norwich want to do now in terms of positions of the squad um, and the, and the monetary values that they want to attach to getting these targets in, I think centre-mid and uh, maybe even the top areas of the pitch now would, would be more of a priority uh, than, than the central defence. I think you know, I, I'm pretty right in saying I didn't see uh, Hanley or Gibson's name on the team sheet today. So it's obviously come a little bit too soon from today. But Daniel said yesterday they're both back in doing lots of the training sessions. So certainly by next week, the Coventry, the Sheffield United games, those two should be back in harness. You've got Zimmerman, you've got Alabama Daily. Uh, it's just not the priority it probably was at the start of summer when they they clearly felt that they needed a Christoph Ayer-type character in the building. So if that is the case, um, yeah, it's entirely feasible that the loan that we talked about earlier in the show will be probably used on a centre-back, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, and in terms of previous targets, Sebastian now has, has now signed for Wolfsburg. And it, it seems sort of the trail in terms of tossing Adurabayo has has gone relatively cold as well. I think there was a release cause, but I've, I've, I have read, reported somewhere uh, off the top of my head, can't remember where, that that has expired now. So, again, maybe that has, has kind of closed Norwich's interest as well. Do so we finally, There was a swap there with Tom Tribal, mate. There you go. Yeah, like for like. So, <laughs> yeah, very, very close exactly. to just finally then, Pad. in terms of the pre-season friendly today, no Angus and, and, and no Jacob Sorensen. I'm, I'm sure we'll sort of be chased, well trying to chase Farquhar post-match for that. Obviously, we're covering the game remotely. Co- uh, Premier League training grounds are still very COVID-secure with all the bubbles and stuff, as you can imagine. So it makes it slightly difficult for us to cover as opposed to at a stadium. But um, we'll be trying to get answers, I think it's fair to say, in terms of why those two aren't involved at the moment. I, I guess it's probably slight fitness concerns, isn't it, as we know, pre-season season Billy Gilmore, like quad issue. That they're not going to take a risk on him. And it, 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 it fair to say, any player with a knock won't be won't be risked in in the current situation. But we'll of course get definitive answers. I think when the game concludes, unless it, you've got any intel that um that, that maybe why they've missed
1: out. Uh, not at this stage, no. But I mean, when we spoke to Daniel, that was yesterday around about one o'clock, and he was going back to Colney, wasn't he? They were training yesterday afternoon. They were training this morning. These games are almost just at this stage. Another training session for him and and as a result, you know the workload on those players physically is quite quite intense, quite demanding and uh, i would I would assume that both of those are probably in a similar sort of Gilmore Yanulis kind of bracket, maybe have just felt something, a bit of tightness, and uh, why take a risk
0: excellent. Excellent stuff. Top stuff. Sorry, uh, apologies. It's a, a little bit of a shorter episode for you this week, but um, you can all now get across and watch the free 45 minutes against Huddersfield Town, as certainly we intend to do. Of course, pinkin.com, the place to go for all the coverage and analysis of that. It's um, it's going to be a fascinating next week or so as, as Norwich step up pre-season. Two games next week, which uh, hopefully we will be attending, Coventry and uh, in Chesterfield. You're, you're missing that pad, which uh, I guess is, is probably a little bit of a sour note for you, right? Not seeing your, your boyhood club in, in action.
1: Well, I'm hoping, you know, without wanting to jinx it, Connor, there'll be a live feed. And if so, um, my my wife and child might have to do without me for a part of our holiday that afternoon. They don't know it yet, but uh, that's just between us.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe keep that to yourself. I can't see that going down too well, particularly. And and then, of course, Sheffield United next weekend as well. So um, that's going to be really interesting. Thank you all very much for watching. Thank you for all your questions. We'll be back again probably next Friday, I would imagine, at usual time, one o'clock, hopefully, given there's... uh, given there's no game. Thank you all very much for tuning in and we'll see you again very,
1: very soon.